are now entering female founder world with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Hannah, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you. It's so nice to be on here. Thanks so much, Jasmine. So I heard about Nugget when I was hanging out with a friend and her little kid and she was jumping all over this like makeshift couch cushion thing. And I was like, what is this? She is absolutely obsessed with this. And then did some digging and learned about your story. And I read some headlines, Inc, you're the fastest growing furniture manufacturer. Buzzfeed said that Nugget is like a supreme drop for mums. Tell me, like, what are you building over at Nugget and why is it so hyped and so, so beloved by kids? Oh, thank you. And I'm so glad that she enjoys it. I get to hear these little moments, these stories all the time. And I tell people, like, I'm still not sick of it. Like, I feel really, yes. really lucky because every time <laughs> I hear these, like, first of all, I say, okay, thank you to whoever bought it. Like, that's still how I, how I feel, you know, just mm-hmm. like an Etsy business owner that gets their first purchase, I'm still like, thank you. Um, and they're like, are you kidding? It's Nugget. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, and then second of all, just that we get to, it's really invigorating to bring joy like that to kids and to hear that. Um, so it's really, really a, a great opportunity. Um, what are we doing? We're creating, we created the world's first play couch and we have introduced, I think, a new level of um, kind of like D2C manufacturing to the world. Um, and we've done that in a really authentic to us way here in North Carolina. North Carolina is the furniture capital of the world. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. So we feel very, very lucky to um, be here in North Carolina. And, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm from New York. I went to high school in New York. I came down here for college and I met my other co-founders and people here are just brilliant. And there's so much creative energy down here. Um, and so that's kind of how Nugget was born. And now we have, um, yeah, hundred employees. We have a huge manufacturing facility. We take care of our people and feel extremely grateful to be able to do that. And we're finding really cool ways to give back to the community that we say raised us because really that word of mouth organic growth that everyone comments on from Nugget, that kind of um, supreme culture that really uh-huh. started from um, the original families here in North Carolina that just loved on us. And then it spread pretty organically from there. The brand came out of the ultimate pivot. And, I, you know, we were chatting about this before the show that this was originally going to be a futon for like college kids. And then you saw it and tell me what happened. <laughs> well, my other co-founder is like, Hannah, are you going to tell this story? <laughs> um, no, but the truth is that, yeah, we, um, you know, Ryan and David are, we just have such unique gifts between the three of us. And it's the perfect compliment. Like it's just the perfect compliment between the three of us. Ryan is extremely, extremely thoughtful around market positioning. And he's always thinking about branding and packaging. And he actually had, so it's so funny to hear this like Supreme-esque part of it because he actually had a streetwear store while we were in college on the main drag and everyone wore his shirts. And he was always like, no, no, don't tell her. It's true. Like he's very, very, very popular. And David is brilliant. He's a businessman and he loves operations and he loves finding, you know, incredible ways to do good. And so he had this concept um, of this foldable couch. It was the opposite of this, you know, $99 target futon that everyone at Mm -hmm. our college had. At the end of the semester, it would go in the dump, like, and it would just end up in landfills. And you would walk across the campus and see all of these just horrible pieces of furniture that were just not made well. And he was bothered by that. He felt like this is such a large piece 
can we get people to invest in something that's better for the environment that, you know, they will keep for longer? Um, and the answer was, it's really hard to do that with college students, right? It's really hard to get college students to spend more money on something quality. Um, they're just not in that consumer mindset at that time. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <It's an issue. laughs> um, and so what ended up happening, the pivot was, you know, he tapped Ryan to help him with, you know, marketing of this awesome, beautiful, you know, couch. And they were beginning to hear, you know, from people, hey, hey maybe you should try, you know, a different audience because maybe it's not, you know, quite there yet. So that was already rumbling. That was beginning. They actually had a Kickstarter and it got funded really quickly. It was a Kickstarter staff pick. And a lot of the families that were already gravitating towards it um, were saying, this would actually be great in the playroom. Have you thought about that? And these are two bachelors coming out of college, you know, 20 years, 22 years old. And they're like, no, we didn't think about that. We didn't think about that. Oh, why would we think about that? And for me, when I, you know, I'm the youngest. And when I graduated, I was, you know, a Title I school teacher, extremely passionate about providing my children with, you know, an amazing, comfortable classroom. And I said, hey, guys, give me one of those. Give me one of those couches. Um to see children the same way that you just talked about with the two and a half year old, even these nine year olds, you know, just like launching their bodies off of this foam product and having a very, very great, you know, fun time. It got me really excited. Um, so that was the pivot that essentially, you know, I, I positioned myself with, with these two and said, Hey, I think that you need another piece that helps you tell the story to parents and educators and make sure people understand this is good for children. I was so used to sitting, seeing children sitting like this in the classroom mm -hmm. and their, their bodies are just like that all day long. Let them move, let them wiggle, let them do what children need to do. And let's tell that story using social media. So that was the pivot. Very cool. Okay. And so the, your co-founders started the Futon in 2014. You left your job in educating in 2017 to focus on this 2022 you've got 100 employees like let's fill in the gaps there how like what was driving that growth like what happened in that time this is a dream like how how are you growing the brand I'm guessing like word of mouth was obviously a huge thing but what what were some of those more like intentional marketing things that you did to, to really get that traction in the early days yeah so when I was coming on so I was the head of marketing um and I was charged with, you know, let's get this thing popular. Um, it didn't exist. The only things that existed on the market were some little, you know, chairs for children. You've probably seen them like they're, you know, just like little cushy chairs and then kind of like extremely licensed um, cartoonish fold out, you know, small couches. And there was nothing that looked nice, um, had this great impact on children's bodies and, and how, you know, how they explore the world and also, you know, just, you know, grew with them and wouldn't be something that you would have to throw out because it's so large. So I think the core thing that if I could share, you know, to people that are in a similar position or tasked with, hey, make this thing popular. If it's a great product and you are a creative mind, you just have to find the way to show people that it solves some of their problems in their life. And you're not just selling the product. People get that all the time. So how can you make sure you're doing storytelling around the solution that this is going to give to you? Um, I started that with Instagram stories. So I think a large part of that first kind of rumbling was just perfect timing with 
Instagram was really, really wanting in 20, the summer of 2017 to push stories. So mm-hmm. story content, I think it was shown to a lot of people in the algorithm. I think also there were a lot of people that, you know, want, you know, the small business movement, I think was also really, really, you know, um, finding its footing, even with the younger millennial segment, people maybe getting sick of having everything that comes from these large businesses. How can we support some small businesses and be part of their success? So authentic storytelling that brought people in with Instagram stories and our partnerships and our giveaways I think it really helped people get excited about what Nugget was up to. We also had incredible community engagement and support. So it's these young college kids coming out, doing something for other kids. We didn't Mm -hmm. have children. And we're just kind of like, hey, this is a really cool thing. Can we come to your home and take photos? Oh, you Mm -hmm. guys, yeah, sure. You're so cute. What? Why are you doing this? You know, and they on us and they would go in their Facebook groups and they would go share. Oh my gosh, y'all check out these three. They're so cute. They're doing this really awesome product. My child is actually obsessed with it. It's actually beautiful and actually high quality. So then there's that real product, you know, value as well. And that helps spread it like wildfire. Amazing. So, okay. Instagram stories. Can we talk about just also like what what are the elements of an educational social media post? Like what kind of things go into a Mm -hmm. post like that? How should people be thinking about it? Because I I really like the idea of, you know, switching to content around the solution, not the product. I think a lot of people get um, Mm -hmm. really caught up in like, but this is what I've put so much work into this physical thing. This is what it does. And not like really selling like what that end result is. And can you talk through a little bit about like what that mindset mindset shift is and like a couple of like really practical examples about what you would include in that content? Of course. And I love that you use the word examples. I love providing examples, especially in spaces like this. I think to anyone out there that's listening, you know, if you feel like you're listening to podcasts and they're not talking about concrete things, it can feel so Mm -hmm. frustrating. So I am happy to provide tons of examples always. Um, I think the way that I thought about it, again, looking for the, you know, how can I provide the solutions for people? I really thought about it like in a lesson plan, um, which is just at the time how my brain thought about communication and it still does. So I'm so grateful for my life as an educator um, because it was about communication and a communications plan. And it was also about programming. So I really thought about social media as like a cable network. What programming can I provide that hits on the objectives that I would put in a lesson plan? So I want potential customers to understand this is a beautiful product and it can fit in your home and you don't have to sacrifice any of your taste while you want to give your child a beautiful product because that didn't exist on the market. So some of my programming looked like I would do these Instagram story takeovers with designers, but also just with like, you know, average, you know, people in their homes. And I made sure I had apartments in there. I made sure I had, you know, rural homes. I made sure I had, you know, just like all types of people. And they didn't have to be influencers. They could be regular people that I would reach out to and say, hey, do you want to share your home? And I really love that you did this, this, and this in it. Your nugget looks beautiful in there. Would you do an Instagram story takeover? And I had a template and everyone felt really comfortable and they Mm. loved doing it. And they would get followers. We would get engagement. It was just a really cool way to show in that specific objective, you can make this product look great no matter what home you live in. And, you know, no matter what, you know, income bracket you're in, it's a great product for everybody. So that's one specific example of how I provided the kind of solution with programming. 
I think another one that I could kind of name is there was this part that was really important to the core um, concept that David was witnessing, you know, that there wasn't something that could last a long time for the college students. So for us, when we think about what we're trying to do with furniture in North Carolina, we wanted to communicate this. Yeah, this is a large project product. It's also an expensive product. So we're going to make sure in our programming, we represent that it can grow with you, that it can be with lots of different ages and lots of different, you know, uh, things that they're into and, you know, whatever, however they grow, it can grow with them. So specific programming, for example, around uh, colors. So at the time we launched with like 10 colors and then we were like, hold on, what if people could buy cover sets and you could switch up the colors <clears throat> so that your five-year-old who says pink everything this year, <clears throat> next year, green everything. And honestly, I'm not that different. I also have my yeah, 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 same. <laughs> with the I year. really relate to that five-year-old. <laughs> I kind of relate. I totally understand. It's okay to be a little fickle about, you know, what you love. And so mm-hmm. how can we do that? So then offering cover sets, right? And our programming around cover sets was, hey, do you love, do you have a kid that loves this color this year? And, you know, these are all the things that they love this year. Yeah, 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 that's neat. Okay, then, you know, check out this. Maybe they'll like this next year. Um, So really making people think about that solution because already in their mind, I don't want to buy a big product that's this color because my child has a new favorite color every couple of months, right? I think, you know, another example of that growing with them was making sure that I had lots of different children's ages in those early years. We've really gotten more fine-tuned about what ages feel the most appropriate as we've grown. Um, But in the early days, I was coming from fourth grade. So I had nine and 10-year-olds in photo shoots, right? And I also had their siblings that were two. And so people Mm -hmm. were able to see this as a large product. And it can fit all of my children and they can all play with it at that price point. That's really, really cool. So those are some examples, but I'm happy to provide provide more. Um, that is so helpful. Time. Yeah. Thanks for like filling, filling the blanks there. I love it when people get really specific. I think that, um, it helps everyone. I'm very excited about talking to you because I feel like, like there's a lot happening in the kids space and very few hit the way that you guys did what i want to know is like what were some of the early signs when you were just getting started that made Mm -hmm. you think okay this is going to be a good sign that this was going to be a big business like what were some of those indicators Mm -hmm. that that you think back on and you're like yeah that was probably a good indication that this was a great business idea part of our like strategy is get really really good at something and so it was always possible that we could have come up with lots of different accessory products at any time Um, we really, we have this phrase, one of our values is don't make blankets. Um, we used to actually make blankets and we spent so much time making blankets, like focusing on the packaging and how it would fold and like everything around blankets that it actually took away from the core hero product of the nugget. And the nugget itself is, I mean, we're named nugget, like it is our thing. And so for us, when we started really focusing in on what that product provides and don't get distracted by all the other concepts, it opened up what a nugget could be. So for example, introducing new colors helped us introduce new patterns and new collaborations and the concept of special edition and limited edition and really kind of getting like the crock 
kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. of like, you know, this actually is the whole thing. And we can do cool stuff in that container and get really, really good at it. So I think the first couple of times that we launched new colors, new patterns, and partnerships with other brands, when we created, you know, something really, really cool, and they would sell out. I was like, oh, people are not just buying one of these. They're buying two nuggets and they're buying a cover set. And so I'm starting to see that that hypothesis is actually correct, that people just love to be part of the nugget community, not necessarily needing tons of other accessories. Something that I've been thinking about, if if I'd invented this, I would be so like, I would have been really paranoid about copycats in the early days. Like Mm -hmm. once you see something like that, where the manufacturing doing like a cheap rip off, it wouldn't be Mm -hmm. difficult. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing that it's becoming so popular so quickly while you guys are still figuring out, you know, Mm -hmm. the operations and outlining the business. And there's just space for people on Amazon just to rush in. How do you think about copycats and Mm -hmm. setting yourself apart from that? Mm. So funny. I always get people, my friends, you know, family is sending me these really great quotes like Instagram or TikTok. And I got one today. So the timing of this question is great. I got one today and it was just someone on TikTok being like, um, if you have someone that's copying you, copying your content or whatever it is that you do, mm-hmm. if you're copying you, um, and then the music changed and she was like, keep, keep creating. Cause they're always going to be one step behind. Oh my God, I saw this. Oh, yeah. I saw this. <laughs> Like they just know, they just know, okay, first of all, we're the blueprint, right? And so like, there's a little bit of swagger that you have. Yes, the paranoia, you know, in the early days, especially when we were so young, right? But now it's, you know, you have a little bit of swagger once you realize that um, everyone loves what you're doing so much. It really is flattery. So I always kind of now at this age with years of therapy, now I'm at a place where I'm like, oh, wow, like people really, really love what a young Title I school teacher, Puerto Rican Panamanian girl from New York came up with. And I'm going to keep doing that. I know lots of especially older white men are going to profit and copy and do the easy things. I know that, but they can't be me. And so that's Mm. been a really, really fun chapter of my life. I Um, (laughs) I love that. So, but to answer your question and, you know, specifically to provide a solution, because not everyone relates to that part of the story that's quite personal to me. I think um, we've always been authentic and it comes from three co-founders that did not seek out making the most money, growing the fastest thing, being VC funded. We didn't, we didn't want that. Um, We went into it with a specific goal of making something that was really cool popular. And we all came in from these different backgrounds and we all come from similar family structures. And, you know, the way our parents raised us is with a sense of authenticity. So when we communicate in our blog posts and our emails, and if you are not on our email list server, if you're not looking at our blogs, please, they are my team. When I tell y'all this is, and this is the marketing team. Now I'm head of creative. This is the marketing team. They are top talent. And so we communicate with a sense of extreme authenticity um, and we trust our audience's intelligence to communicate things that are complex. A lot of companies just won't do that. They won't tell people anything. And, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, sorry, supply chain, your product has been pushed 10 months. 
sucks, you know? And you're just like, thanks, Pottery Barn. Like, I really appreciate that. Like, you have my thousands of dollars. I'm not going to see my product for 10 months. And, you know, no shade to Pottery Barn, but also we as consumers are smart and we deserve the truth and we deserve complex you know, topics being broken down for us in a way that we can understand and resonate with. And I think that the audience of Nugget right now are people that know we are real humans, absolutely trying our best, and we're going to continue to be authentic with them. Um, and that's not something copycats can do. Great advice. <laughs> Hannah, the last question that I ask everyone who comes on the show is just for a resource recommendation. And that could be a book, a podcast, something that's kind of helped you along as mm -hmm. you've been building the business. Well, I'll give you one thing that's a little bit, I will say a little bit more um, in the clouds. And then I'll mm -hmm. give you something really, really, again, I love examples and that's my educator background. So then I'm gonna give everyone, I'm gonna give a plug for a great program and, and give everyone um, that tool. I would recommend inner child work. Um, so I'm not, are you familiar with that, Jasmine? Uh, yeah, Lacey Phillips. I've done all the courses of the yes. 2D Magnetic. Yep, yes. I'm on it. Okay, so anyone that's not familiar, wonderful. Anyone that's not familiar, um, it's just this concept of what can you give your inner child now as a grown-up? How can you parent them in a way that potentially you didn't get? And it's not that, you know, your parents didn't do an amazing job. It's just that everybody has gaps in their childhood, things that potentially they needed in whatever form it looks like for you. For me, that looked like really sinking into my creativity. I think that I didn't quite get it as a kid. And I don't think I saw enough things to help me get it. And that's, a, that's societal. That's not even you know, necessarily from culture. Um, I think that that can just be societal and, you know, especially women, women of color, not feeling like that part is for them, not feeling like that's a stable move to kind of sink into your cre creativity and maybe even go into roles, mm. you know, study in college creativity. If you look at the demographic breakdowns of places like SCAD, you know, RISD, they are not women of color mostly, right? And that's, that's for many reasons. And so I think working within myself to figure out what did my inner child need, needed the space to play. And so that's what Nugget, we try to do for all of our staff members. We have this value that's just for fun. And so, you know, last two weeks ago or last week, our team went to um, Marbles, the, the kids museum for the day, shut down the museum for the day. We went and played Nerf Gun Wars, watched, you know, um, Monsters Inc. on IMAX. And so, <laughs> right, what does that do for us? It allows us to tap into these parts that maybe haven't seen the light of day, especially in like a capitalistic society, probably haven't seen the light of day mm -hmm. for a long time. Um, that's something that I think has unlocked the ability for me to be creatively confident, for me to look at copycats and say, okay, I know you can't do what I do. You know, that takes work and time. So definitely would recommend inner child work. Great advice. And you said that you had a tangible resource as well. So yes. if you can think of anything, share it. We want to okay, I'm going to give a plug. There is a local leader here in the area. She's a woman of color. Her name is Jess Averhart. And she has a program that's called the Reinvention Road Trip. Anyone can do it. You can do it nationwide, anywhere that you are. You can get online and go to her website. She offers some for free. She offers some in a paid cohort. But it's just this idea that you can have, especially in like our day-to-day, -day, people can't find time. And that is the 
most challenging part. They want to discover parts of themselves. They want to tap into inner child. Well, how do I do that when I work nine to five? I'm exhausted. You know, how do you find that time? Mm -hmm. I think having a cohort that you are committed to, someone that's like an accountability buddy, sometimes you have to pay them. Sometimes it's free, right? But like whatever it looks like, following that roadmap and intentionally moving with the cohort on something, I think it's really reinvigorating. So I actually do recommend her course to anyone that asks me. Um, I worked on it. I share it with my young employees. I just think it's helpful to have that accountability in the hustle and bustle of today. That's a great piece of advice. Hannah, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been great to chat with you. This has been so nice to talk to you. Thanks, Jasmine.